Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast, RX for Quality. I'm Barry Smith, Director of Business Development with DNV Healthcare, and joining me today is Simley Miller. Hey Simley, you're off the road. Yeah, it's been a very, very busy uh, couple of weeks, but yes, I am actually, I did teach this week, but I am uh, home today and tomorrow. So wow. uh, yeah, so that's nice to be back in the office. Absolutely. Well, we're glad to have you back off the road. And, uh, you know, th things are getting exciting around here. You know, we, we've really given everybody the overview of DNV, who we are, ISO, what it is. Uh, you know, last time we talked, you know, we talked about really defining ISO and an overview of and the benefits of it. Uh, but today we're going to talk about how the heck is it implemented in the hospital? Because I have no idea. And I'm hoping you can tell me. Uh, because I would like to know, Simley, how do you implement ISO in a hospital? Yeah, I have no idea, Barry. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it, it's an interesting question, um, and that it's one that we get a lot, um, and hence the reason why we do have a lot of courses out there to help hospitals um, learn uh, a little more information about ISO and how to implement it. But to give you guys an overview in a nutshell on how ISO is implemented, the best way for us to really um, dig in is to look at the foundation of ISO, what ISO was created on. And it was actually created on uh, seven quality principles um, that really uh, can, you can see these principles throughout ISO. And it's kind of a rule of thumb um, when we teach the classes that if you're following these seven principles, it's seamless uh, in a way to implement ISO throughout your organization and your processes. The seven principles, and we can go over each one of them, but let me just go ahead and tell you what the seven are. One is customer focus, uh, leadership, engagement of people, process approach, implementation, evidence-based thinking, and then relationship management. And some of those we've talked about in various different ways through on the other uh, podcasts that we've already done. But I will say, let me get into the first one. And Barry, you'll probably have some insight on just how we utilize this principle um, at DMV, and that's customer focus. So ISO, um, throughout ISO, in many of the different chapters, uh, you will see um, a section where requirements are there to ensure that the organization is focusing on the customer um, and making sure that, you know, you look at not only their current needs, but also, also their future needs um, so that you can start to begin to shift into more of a proactive approach. And I think at DMV, we're pretty good about this with our customers. Wouldn't you agree, Barry? We are. It's really, you know, understanding our customer, as you said, and their needs and what is it they are looking for. And so we, we do a terrific job of that at DMV, I must say. It all starts with the customer. And so, you know, thinking about, you know, hospitals and who are their customers? Their customers are the patient, right? So right. what are the needs of their customer, patient? And what are they looking for? So if you start, I think there, and that's why it's number one, you really can't go wrong if that is your focus. Yeah, 100%. And hospitals truly are good about this. Most hospitals out there want to do uh, what's best for their patients and uh, look at what you know, that continue to be their needs. So um, it makes sense from an ISO perspective and implementation uh, for healthcare to have ISO compliance because we are very customer based just as an industry. Um, the second one um, is leadership. So this is really, really interesting. Um, 
historically, and Barry, you may not know this, but historically, there in most hospitals, not all, but in my experience, um, often leadership was siloed from quality and the rest of the organization. And it was it was unfortunate and it happened for two reasons. One, because the quality directors and some of the other directors that were below the, the leadership team um, often played hero. And we would, and I was one of them, and we would go out of our way to fix things, problem solve, and so that we weren't bothering leadership with what was going on. Um, leadership, I will say, ISO defines leadership as your top level of authority to make day-to-day -day decisions. So we're typically talking about what we call those C-suites, the CEO, COO, CMO, CNO, and CFO, the list goes on. But those tend to be what ISO defines as your leadership team because they're there making day-to-day -day decisions. And where quality is trying to save the day, if you will, and solve problems, and also the other directors and hospitals, um, leadership isn't in the know necessarily about what's going on and they're not really participating um, in the processes understanding where the gaps are what the pain points are for the organization that's they're not always privy to that information and i think one of the things that our dmv hospitals will tell you as they've implemented iso is how amazing it is to have leadership really part of the conversation when they're talking about um, pain points and issues, barriers that the hospital is going through. Um, they're required to be there and um, make decisions and take actions, which is always nice to have the people to make that make day-to-day -day decisions uh, at the table saying, yes, um, we do need to put resources towards that, or hey, let's all rally around this corrective action, whatever the scenario is. So it's um, one of those things that historically, it, you, most people be surprised, leadership wasn't always uh, directly involved with the, to that level. Um, but now with DMV hospitals, they are, and, and they're able to make changes much quicker in a more sustainable way. And it makes sense. You know, when you, you think about our accreditation program, uh, instead of it being siloed into just, you know, one department, you know, quality in charge of it, everybody's really in charge of the accreditation or plays some part in it, right? And that includes senior leadership. And of course you need their support uh, as well. So I think it's very important that leadership, senior leadership is involved uh, with the accreditation and it's part of that process. And that's what yeah. makes it so successful. Oh, 100%, 100%. And they need to be the driver. So they're ultimately responsible for our um, outcome in healthcare, which is quality patient care. Um, and they're the drivers to make sure that we're on the right path um, to achieving that goal. Um, the next one is uh, the next uh, principle is engagement of the people. So as you we're going to talk about in just a minute, another um, principle, which is the risk based thinking um, and evidence based thinking model. But it's um, interesting that as hospitals start to shift to looking at their risk, um, it, it, Part of implementing ISO is to shift to a risk-based model where you're focusing on the areas that need to be improved instead of um, what I call the everything in the kitchen sink model, which is collecting data, measuring and monitoring, having dashboards with two, 300 things listed on them. Um, it's basically throwing everything up the chain at quality and quality gets really overwhelmed and so does leadership with all this data and it's very hard to focus on um, the high risk, the things that are in 
ISO defines high risk as the, the barriers to your ultimate output. So the barriers to quality patient care, not necessarily the high risk procedure. Um, it's what's, what is your pain point? What's stopping you from achieving your goal or getting in the way? Um, that's what they call high risk. And so as the hospital starts to shift towards focusing on the high risk at the quality level and even at the leadership level, it's important that the hospital, the leadership team and the rest of the hospital support engaging people at all levels so that no matter if you're frontline working with patients or incredibly removed from working with patients, a process that, you know, maybe not be directly with patient care. Everybody understands that their process uh, that they're doing is about doing it at a quality level. So we all get there to produce quality patient care. So they really, leadership really needs to engage at people at all levels so that they can be, uh, they know how important their job is, but also so they can be very transparent with, hey, we're struggling in this area. And they have the ability to elevate that up in a way that in which is not punitive. Um, it allows us to put then quality processes in place so that we're protecting our patients and we're protecting our staff because we know our staff are empowered and engaged on a level where they can say, hey, there's a problem here. Um, so that would be the pillar uh, of engagement of people. Or the, I'm sorry, me. I said pillar, I meant principal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it makes total sense to me. It makes total sense to me, I appreciate Appreciate that. All right, so so we're moving along here, and that, that was our third principle. I, I'm on the edge of my seat. What is number four? <laughs> what could that be? Now, number four is actually a fantastic one. Um, it is the process approach. So you know, ISO is not about the people; they're about the process. And let me let me give a little background on that. Um, I often tell a story about serving in sterile processing. Um, I was asked to go down there and survey and long story short, there's a lot of funny moments in that story, but to save time, I won't go into the detail. I'll get right to it. I was standing in a decontamination area um, of sterile processing, talking to the workers there about what they do, observing their process. And we all had this PPE on, this uh, personal protective equipment because it's a decon area. So it requires some gloves and a mask and a lot of other things. And in walks, um, a transport person uh, carrying in or pushing in an IV pump on a pole on wheels. And she didn't have any PPE on. And she pushes it over and she leaves. And all of a sudden, the people, the leadership people who are with me, starts whispering and like, who is that? Does she know we're in the middle of a survey? She can't do that. We need to find out who she is. Maybe we need to write her up. And I was, I was, I just simply turned to them and said, let's just pause and go down and talk to them. Um, so after we were done in decontamination, we did go down to the transport office. They were the ones that were responsible for transporting um, not only patients, but transporting equipment that needed to be cleaned. Um, and when we talked to them, you know, we went through a whole conversation about their process. Uh, we talked to the employee and the employee basically said, you know, I was never trained. I didn't know I was supposed to wear PPE. So a long story short, it really came down to the fact that this person who everybody was willing to jump on and kind of like, what is she doing? Uh, it turned out that there was she was never trained. So it turned out to be a training process issue. So my point here is 
we always look at, we never assume this is a people issue. We always look at what is the process and we survey the entire process. Um, we very much encourage internal audits for hospitals to be process approached. Uh, when they're the checklist, kind of like, yep, this is here, yep, this is here. There's no value to that. You really need to look at uh, typically three components when we do process, when we look at process and process auditing, and that's um, you know, uh, talking to staff that do the process, you know, saying, how do you do your process? Walk me through your process, asking them questions. Um, and then there's, of course, observing processes. That's very big for us. You know, if you have the opportunity in your internal audit program or when we're there, you'll see we observe, we, you know, we want to see what that looks like. And then, of course, the document review component. That is definitely a component of internal audits, but it really to have a well-rounded um, process approach to implementing ISO, um, it's to look at all of those components and just really understand everything that's involved with the process, everything that touches the process, and not just assuming that, hey, this person is responsible because that's just a surface fix. We really need to get to the root cause. Um, and to do that, we have to approach it from a process. That's right? exactly, it sounds exactly what you, you did there in that situation is really observing what went on and talking to the staff, asking them questions rather than just, as you said a couple times, assuming that this person was just breaking the, the rules or not following a process when in fact, they didn't know there was a process in place, right? That's right, that's right, that's right. And then of course the leadership team for that department had no idea that she didn't receive that training. So it really opened their eyes to say, okay, yeah, we, we have some, some issues here regarding our education. Uh, of staff. So it, it's a lot funnier story. Some of you out there probably have heard me tell it, but uh, the truth is it's a good example of focusing on the process, not the person. And that's what ICE is about, looking at the entire process. Yeah, and I, I would I would think a lot of times, you know, and that's just one example that happens probably, you know, not just in hospitals, but any organization, uh, you know, they think that just because there's a process out there, well, we've got a process, it's filed away, it can be found on the internet, wherever, that people are just going to follow it and they are following it. And that's not always the case. But, you know, as we get deeper into ISO, ISO really, uh, it really makes sure that your organization is following those processes, right? And you mentioned internal audits is, is I guess, one of the ways that that's done. Is that correct, Emily? Yeah, it's really to, it's the way in which you can ensure compliance within your organization is, you know, do we have a process in place and is it being consistently followed? And the best way to do that is to really look at, you know, everything regarding that process. And Barry, you know, you've been on many calls with me and the leadership team and the thing that always comes out of my mouth because I can't help myself, I'm very process driven is, do we have a process for that? And even yeah. we sometimes run into you know what, we really don't have a process. So yeah, yeah it's every industry um, struggles with that, but it's important to have that approach. So that's why it's one of the principles for ISO. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is improvement. Um, if you've been with DNB at all, you've heard us constantly refer to continual improvement. Um, so ISO is very much by implementing ISO, you're always continually improving. You're always looking at um, how to be proactive. So we often in healthcare in a reactive state, you know, things happen and then we react. Um, and ISO really does shift you to a culture in which you slowly begin to move to a proactive uh, state instead of constantly being reactive. 
And from that comes a lot of continual improving, looking at, you know, okay, great. Now that we've gotten more to a simplistic way of handling our accreditation, we're not just doing things for compliance, we're doing them to add value. How do we use that then to improve? What can we do to be innovative? What can we do uh, to make this work better for our patients and our staff? So continual improvement is a big key, uh, again, to the ISO Foundation. I think, you know, with our, you know, annual survey, which, you know, is, is part of, uh, you know, the ISO program, and that's, what, you know, what I guess brought us to being a, going out and surveying annually, is that's where that continual improvement really begins. Uh, and as, you know, as I talk to clients about it, it's, it's hard to continually improve if you're only looking at something once every 36 months. But if you're, you're looking at it every 12 months, you know, that is, a, a, you know, a lot more doable uh, than it is because a lot changes in, in a year, much less three years, right? Uh, but if you want that continual improvement, you have somebody in, coming in and partnering with you and helping you improve upon things and not just, you know, fix it and forget it. We'll wait and, you know, we're, we're done with that exercise for now and right, not have right. to worry about that. No, you actually look forward to the next exercise because you know it's going to make you better. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And the people who have really been with us for a while have embraced that, that collaborative approach and really utilizing your accreditation to work for you instead of you working for your accreditation um, to let us come in and be a second set of eyes and embrace, oh, okay, yep, we need to work on that. Um, mm -hmm. To your point, Barry, let's, you know, buckle down and improve and uh, see what we can do about that. Yeah, agree. Yeah. And we were talking to a client today, Simley and I were, and, uh, you know, fairly, you know, new client that's hadn't been with us for a while, uh, but they, you know, are already embracing what ISO is going to be able to do for their organization. Uh, their top leadership is already involved with it. Uh, they are just, you know, past their first, you know, initial survey with us of becoming accredited oh, about a year ago, but they are already looking forward and talking about what that is going to mean to their organization when they become reaccredited during year four with us. And that was amazing to hear that they are so focused on that and they're so focused on making sure that they're educated and ready to go because they know it's about continual improvement for their hospital and that's what they want. They want what's best for their customer, patient slash patient, yeah. right? Yeah, and you know me, I love it because I'm all about the education component of this. So it was really, really nice to talk to them about the fact that they are one year in yeah. Um, they did take one of the ISO Foundation course with us, and from that, they're like, hey, I know that we're, you know, uh, only one year in, but we want to go ahead as we restructure and make sure mm -hmm. we're structuring in a way in which aligns with ISO because, you know, it works for us. We really uh, appreciate the process, mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that we are definitely ingrained in that. That's important to us, and that's our commitment. So it was a really, really exciting conversation. And, and I think that, you know, you look at, at, at this at this particular client, uh, they were looking for something different. They were looking for that accreditation program that worked for them rather than yeah. the other way around. Mm -hmm. And they they have really, uh, and in this first year, it's like, wow, you, you, the stuff that they were talking about today, you wouldn't expect your first year, you know, hospital to be talking about already, but they're there and it's exciting to see and know that they made the move because of what we talked about at the very top of today's podcast, 
their customer focus, right? Oh, yeah. They wanted to yeah. get better for their customer, their customer. Yeah, and they really wanted to add value um, to their processes and what they were doing. So I always say, and this is really good for current clients too, if you're ever in a situation where you're looking at a process or you're dealing with an issue within your organization and you find that you are doing something because it just to be compliant, because, you know, the requirements say that we have to, I would invite you to pull back and really embrace uh, the ISO methodology, which is, yes, you have to comply with that requirement, but how you do that is up to you and do it in a way in which adds value to your patients, to your staff, to your organization. Um, I think that is something that more and more clients, especially um, as uh, the new ones come on and start to take the class, that they're really finding very beneficial for them. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm on the edge of my seat again. I what know. What is number six? What is number six? Riveting. Okay, so number six is evidence-based thinking, and this also goes along with one of the key fundamentals within ISO as well, which is risk-based thinking. Um, this is very much about looking at a couple of things. When it comes to evidence-based, um, that decisions are made based on evidence. So ISO in the ISO world, uh, this kind of our funny little saying is either you're pregnant or you're not pregnant, Barry. So you can't be a little bit pregnant. So yeah. Um, it's very much about, you know, is what the decision you're making based on evidence a fact? Um, not because you think maybe or you feel um, those are not words that uh, ISO uh, is used to. Um, so it's very, what is the data telling you? What is your incident reporting system telling you? What are your customer feedback surveys telling you? What are the complaints and grievances telling you? And that decisions are made off of that evidence. Um, so it's not someone's opinion. Um, it's more of a factual evidence-based model. And then it shifts and leads right into the risk-based thinking, which is to look at what are you, like I've said before, probably a hundred times now with you guys on podcast, what is your risk? Um, where are you struggling? Where can, where do you need to focus for process improvement? And that should be based on evidence. Um, again, not because someone feels that it's not working. Uh, you know, you, you want to look at it. So a lot of the ISO uh, functions that you put in place, like internal audits, is required to look at, be risk-based. It should align. And, um, you know, where are we struggling? That should be the focus of our internal audits. Same with manager review. Are we elevating up? Um, evidence to demonstrate high risk that we need the leadership team to focus on. So um, that evidence-based approach is, um, again, all of these principles are important, but that is one that people really are embracing, embracing and they're starting to shift their culture uh, in a way in which allows them to have more value add to improving their processes in a, uh, in a timely manner when it comes to high risk. And there's so much more value to doing evidence-based thinking and making your decisions off of that versus, you know, and I guess any industry could point this, not just healthcare, but we've always done it that way, right? And that's how oh, we've always yes. done it. Yeah. And well, why do you do this? This is this way. Oh, we've always done it that way that ever way. since I've the worked here. last 30 here. years. Yeah, we've done it that way. I wish I had a penny every time I heard that, Barry. Oh, I bet you've heard that a few times out on survey, huh? Uh -huh. <laughs> you've asked that question. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many. And, you know, one time, and another good example of this, and you guys have probably all experienced this in some way, but I had a boss once 
um, that the last person to talk to that per to talk to our boss before he went into a meeting where he had to make decisions was the one that influenced his decision. So, you know, we would all clamor and try to be the last one to talk to him because we knew if if he talked to us last, he would take what we think needs to happen into that meeting to make a decision based on that. And that's not productive. You know, that's dangerous. That, that's very dangerous, right? So, but yeah, so this is what we try to eliminate in healthcare because we do need to, because it's hard. Healthcare is emotional. Yeah. And, you it know, and it's hard not to put your opinions and your thoughts and feelings in there. It's a struggle for us as surveyors when we go in to stay objective and evidence based and not have our heartstrings pulled sometimes. But we have to constantly go back to, okay, what does the evidence say? Um, and so it's very important. And, 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 you know, those decisions may, they may have been right at one time and they may have been the right sure. decision and there may have been evidence there to back it up at the time. But, you know, you fast forward 30 years, you know, is that still the case? What is the evidence saying now? And is that still how the decision we should make if this comes up? And I, I don't, you know, I think ISO encourages you to challenge that kind of thinking. Sure. Sure, sure. It also, you know, we've talked many times about innovation and when we're stuck in doing things the way we've always done them, yeah. that really stunts your ability to be innovative. So, yeah, I hope things have changed over 30 years. Um, but if you have a good practice that's worked for, work for 30 years and it works for you and it's compliant, then, you know, we're not saying you have to change it. But it does, to your point, Barry, really challenge you. ISO challenges you to say, hey, is this based on evidence? Is this what works best for your organization? Well, based on the evidence of the six steps we've talked about so far today, I'm going to have to guess that number seven is relationship management. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yes, good job, Barry. A plus. <laughs> so, yes. So the last principle is relationship management. So, um, this is where you really, an organization has to look at the externally provided process products and services, right? Uh, contract services. Sometimes we don't have even a contract with them. It's an agreement that we have with a company. Um, it might be agreements we have with physicians who are not employed with us. And sometimes those physicians don't even get paid, but there's still, there's an agreement for them to provide services to our patient. So anytime an external uh entity is it providing any products services or processes iso says that you must hold them to the same quality level that you would your own like if it were internal and you owned it um, and it was your own employed staff um traditionally i'll be honest barry but in the past when we would be surveyed back before i joined dmv when i had another accrediting body in my hospital and i was the quality and safety per or i was in quality and safety um you know, it was not uncommon when we we're walking around with the surveyor to say, oh, that's a contract service. And they go, OK, well, then we won't even look at that. We'll keep going. And that's not how DMV rolls, guys. We don't roll that way. Um, it's important that we survey the your contract services or your externally provided uh, process and services and products um, to make sure that, you know, you have controls on them like. Are they following your policies and procedures? Are they following your requirements? Um, asking those types of questions. Are you, if they're high risk and, you know, very much part of your organization, like the best example is maybe dialysis. 
that's contracted. Um, they're there in your hospital. They're providing care to your patients. Um, so we would anticipate that you have more stricter controls on them because they're higher risk because they're dealing with the patient. And so we're going to ask you, how do you bring them into your quality management system? How do you measure their performance and to make sure that they're providing you the services that you would expect? So relationship management is key because you have to have maintain really good relationships with these people and you have to make sure that they understand what you want as an organization, that they're providing providing that, that they are aligning with your values and your policies and procedures, um, and that their commitment, you guys are all on the same page. So having a good relationship with them is key. Now, the flip side of that, Barry, is we have relationship management at DNV. So one of your uh, hospitals, uh, hospitals out there one that are already signed up with DNV, one of your external providers that you have an agreement with, a contract with, is DNV Healthcare. Yeah. Um, so it's important for us to manage our relationship with you as it is for you to maintain with us because we want to be collaborative. We are here to see healthcare succeed. Um, so it's important for us, even though we have integrity to the standards that are very, very strong to us, the, our approach that again goes back to our approach is very different because it's important for us to continue to maintain that relationship with our hospital clients and for hospitals to be able to maintain that relationship with us so that we can continue on the path of improving healthcare in this nation to make sure that we are providing safe um, and very much uh, to the best of our ability, consistent healthcare uh, within the nation. So, um, you know, relationship management, I know is big for us. I know Barry, with you and your team, relationship yeah. management is everything, right? You're, it is. you're the sales part of all of this. We, we do. It, it, it's really, it, it is. It's about building a relationship, about building trust. Um, and, you know, when and you're going through these, you know, quality, seven quality principles here, uh, I've had the opportunity to witness, you know, myself, Number seven, relationship management in person. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, SDMV being a vendor for, you know, uh, hospitals out there is that they hold us to those standards, too. And so I was invited. I'm sorry. And they should. Yeah. And as well as they should. Yeah. But they really did. Uh, you know, I, they invited uh, me in to uh, be a part of uh I, I guess I can't remember what the it, anyway, it was a gathering. We'll call it that of different suppliers. And it was interesting to see how that they they used ISO to really rate that relationship, you know, how well you were performing there as they should. Mm -hmm. If somebody is doing, uh, you know, work within a hospital uh, and you're depending on that vendor to help you going back to number one, improve your customer focus there, then they should be doing all the right things, right? And it was really interesting to be a part of that and see, you know, the discussions going on and the, you know, the expectations that they had for their, their, their supplier partners out there. And I have to think that whenever you hold the supplier partners accountable, you're going to get better service uh, oh, yeah. because, because they're being measured now, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, here's a little bit of a tidbit to all of you current DMV clients. If DMV is not on your list of externally provided service of contract services and you're not evaluating us, then just so you know, that's not then you're not compliant. So make sure we're on your list. Make sure you evaluate us um, and make sure you give us that feedback. We we desperately 
want to hear from you where we can improve, what we're doing well. So please make sure that we are part of that evaluation. But you're absolutely correct, Barry. That's a very good example of where you got invited yeah. with all the vendors and essentially were being evaluated. We were. And that's part of that. What comes along with being partners, right, is, is you evaluate each other. We come in and evaluate you on how you're doing against the standards, uh, you know, our NIAHO standards as well as ISO. You get to evaluate us as well. You know, you're, you're yeah. the one that's pay, you're the one that's paying us. Uh, you are our customer. That's and right. You have a we, choice in accreditation. We are very happy do. that you chose us, but you need to evaluate and make sure that yeah. we're giving you what you would expect. And we and we we love it when when our hospitals uh, tell us that you know that we're doing a great job and everything is going really well and they love it. But we also do like the constructive feedback of where we can improve because that's where you do improve, right? Is whenever you find those opportunities for improvement and say, well, I kind of heard that a few times. Maybe we should look into that. And maybe this is an area for us to improve, you know, and you get, we, DNV gets better because of that. And we do encourage, you know, you, if, if there is something you think we should know about on those customer satisfaction surveys, let us know about it because we read each and every one of them and they reach the right individuals within uh, DNV Healthcare to address or make adjustments on. Yep, yep, totally agree. And Barry, so those are our seven principles mm. and the foundation of implementing ISO. Um, wow. Yeah, and I that, mean, there's a lot more to it, guys, but that is basically the principles that you can structure implementation on. I'll be honest with you, you know, whenever I, you know, you hear about ISO, a lot goes through your head, right? If, if you had never heard of it before and like, what is this going to make me do? How is this going to change my life? And what is this going, what kind of work is this going to create? But I look at this and I'm like, okay, there's seven things right there. I'm already doing a lot of that anyway. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, okay. So I need to make a few adjustments on, on a few of these. But for the most part, you know, and that's what we tell our clients, you're already doing a lot of what ISO says. Anyway, you may just call it something different. And now you've got some structure around it, right? Yeah. And yeah. you just need and, to improve upon it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Barry. Yeah. And these make sense, right? When you yeah. look at these, you're like, yeah, these are important to us. Yeah. Um, and this definitely makes sense. So you'll find that. ISO is pretty much taking what you already have and kind of purging through all the chaos and getting back to a simplistic approach that really focus on um, these principles uh, to allow you to get to, you know, quality patient care in a more uh, simplistic uh, way that makes sense and adds value to your organization. As great as we are at talking about all this, I know people are dying to hear, do these folks have any customers that want to talk? And the answer is yes, we do. Uh, and we are going to be having a client come up here pretty soon to talk about their experience with DNB. Now that we've kind of set the stage, you know who we are, what we do, how we do it, how we implement an ISO in a hospital, we're we're, we're gathering some, uh, some uh, folks that can talk more about that so they can tell you about their journey. So that's, that's coming up. Uh, Real soon, uh, you know, in today's busy world, we got to make sure all schedules align and we have them here. So uh, stay tuned for that coming up because that's going to be really exciting to hear about a hospital that has used this and how it's impacted them in a positive way and how it is something that they it's 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 what they do every day. It, it is. is. Yeah, it's not yeah. something that they prepare for every three years. They're doing it every day. 
Oh, yeah. And um, we're really hoping that the schedule works out to have this surprise guest for you on our next next podcast. Um, this person is very much a rock star in the mm-hmm. ISO healthcare world. Um, so we're really hoping that it works out. So we'll find out here soon if this person is available, but we have others as well. So lots of great people coming up to talk. Um, so that should start with the next podcast. And Barry, I have a commercial. What? Are you ready for this? I do. Yes, so go. Here it is. Brought to you um, right off of the presses right here. So this podcast today has been brought to you by DMV Healthcare Education and Training. With DMV Healthcare Education and Training, you have the ability to customize courses that meet your needs or pick from a list of courses that our experts have designed based on implementation of not only ISO, but also NIHO. Um, We have a course that is designed to give you information on who DMV is to help you understand the NIHO standards and how those are implemented. And that course is designed for anybody at any range of implementation. And then we also have all of our ISO courses that, again, are designed for uh, many levels of implementation uh, based on the needs of your organization. And with this podcast today, if you mention podcast when you talk to your salesperson to sign up for your next private course, you will get 10% off. So just mention the word podcast that you heard uh, this on uh, the podcast that we will be releasing here soon and that uh, your salesperson will then give you 10% off your next private offering. We would be glad to do that. And thank you, Simile. Wow, I was not expecting a commercial I know, today, I, but... I didn't prepare, prepare you for that, but yeah, <laughs> I wanted to introduce a little uh, commercial there for uh, I've always the wanted education to, I've, department. <laughs> I always wanted to say this, you know, as we close out our podcast today, I'd like to thank our sponsor, DNB Healthcare and Education. For <laughs> so I appreciate that. That's terrific. And yes, we 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 do have a, a tremendous uh, education offering to our clients. And and if you can't find what you're looking for, let's help you make something that works for you and your organization. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I can't wait until the next one. And I want to thank you all for tuning in again. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you all. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Be safe. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Rx for Quality podcast with Barry Smith and Simile Miller. For more information and to download our free standards, please visit dnvhealthcare.com. That's dnvhealthcare.com.